Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is Hot Takes on a Plate, the podcast that explores the things that make you feel and how those feelings collide with food. I'm Rob Patron, and today I'm feeling angry. I wasn't actually even supposed to record a podcast this week. Uh, If you're a regular listener, you know that the podcast was a weekly podcast. Uh, In the new year, I shifted it to an every other week setup for a plethora of reasons. But, oh man, starting about late last week, I just have been really feeling angry about how food has been colliding with safety in a few different instances. Uh, It started last Friday when I saw that Here in New York, Governor Cuomo was going to be opening indoor dining at 25% on, of all days, one of the busiest days in the uh, restaurant world, Valentine's Day, coincidentally, or maybe not coincidentally, uh, at 25% capacity. And uh, there's a lot to get into on that that I'm going to save for a little later. And then this morning I woke up and I saw that 30% of Americans plan on attending a Super Bowl party during a raging pandemic. So they're going to stuff their faces with wings and pizza, maskless indoors with a bunch of people that are not in their household. Great idea. And then sandwiched between all of that over the weekend, um, non-COVID related, but health related, uh, Bon Appetit released a video showing people how they could at home can seafood, telling people that Safety is sexy when you're making things that are shelf-stable. One problem, what they showed people, was not safe and could lead to botulism. So here under this whole umbrella of stuff, we've got food and potentially death. And joining me to discuss all of this, the Grim Reaper of food. I'm just kidding. He's a self-described food antagonist, my friend Joe Rosenthal. You can find him at Joe underscore Rosenthal on Instagram. He's a great follow. Uh, He breaks news or amplifies news in ways that a lot of old school media outlets take a little longer to do. So, Joe, thank you for joining me once again. Last time we talked on this podcast, it was about squirrel and moldy jam, and it was actually the most listened to episode of uh, this podcast ever. So uh, let's see if we could do it again. (laughs) Well, well, thanks for having me again. Um, Yeah, it's weird that I'm the... um... I guess the foodborne illness guy now. Um, <laughs> don't know how that happened, but here I am. All right, so let's talk about first the the. You've been very very hot on this uh, Bon Appetit um, canning seafood video story. So for those who mm. don't know, let's give a quick summary of what happened, and then we could really delve into the details. Yeah. So um, I believe it was last. Thursday, uh, Bon Appetit posted a video um, of It's Alive uh, about canning seafood, uh, and it featured uh, Brad Leone and Charlotte Langley of uh, Scout Canning um, in Canada. And um, in the video, uh, they can all sorts of seafood, um, some of the just kind of important beets, um, butter poached lobster is one of the things. there was a mention of uh, fresh garlic versus powder garlic, and at at no point was you know botulism raised as a concern. The methodology used for canning was something that could um, 
you know, promote the spores that, that create the toxin that, that causes botulism. Um, you need to pressure can seafood. Uh, you cannot safely can dairy in a home setting. Um, so they, they were not, they were not pressure canning. They were they showing were they were doing canning. things in a water bath. Is that correct? They used a, a bonnerie and and you know you go on yeah. you talk about canning on on social media and you've got three Christs in your DMs about you know <laughs> what is what. But um you know generously it was water bath canning and um that's not sufficient um. Those are not sufficient temperatures for for pressure canning. My my Instagram story highlight gets into why that is, you know, from like a pressure perspective and in a thermal perspective. But essentially, yeah, it's not hot enough um, for a low acid environment to um, to avoid um, botulism risk. And uh, in general, uh, the consensus is that dairy is not safe to can at home. Period. So butter poached lobster, no go. Um, the topic of uh, fresh garlic versus garlic powder was brought up. Uh, Brad Leone asked, you know, what about, you know, fresh versus versus powdered? And, and Langley said, it, you know, it doesn't really matter. Um, you know, fresh garlic, um, you know, it is a botulism risk to can that um, without, you know, the, the right, you know, acid or, or pressure canning. So when you're canning something, the idea is you're you're making it shelf stable. You're making it so that it can sit in your cabinet, doesn't need to be refrigerated. It could be there for months, even sometimes years, and it's safe. And obviously the whole uh, process of canning involves killing the things that could kill you, killing bacteria. And to do all of that, you have to do it at a, at a high temperature, at a certain temperature, which they weren't doing in the video. And they even acknowledged they weren't doing it in the video. But the acknowledgement was a little confusing, was it not? Well, well, let me just say to start, I am not a canning expert. And before you can anything, you should read, you know, the documents I linked to all of them in my uh, BA slash botulism highlight on my Instagram, um, go to good canning sources, period. <laughs> okay. Um, in the video, at one point, um, Brad Leon takes uh, a can um, that they had put in, in their water bath, opens it up, temps it, and um, announces that it's 190 degrees. Um, Fahrenheit. And um, Charlotte Langley says, uh, that's a great range. That's a great range for a shorter term shelf stable product. And, and the fact is there's no, there's in canning, as far as I understand it, there's no concept of shorter term shelf stable. It's like you said, shelf stable or it's not canned. It's, it's Russian roulette. <laughs> there's no half measures in canning. And, um, you know, it's it seemed like she explicitly said that that was a great range for a, a shelf stable product, but 190 Fahrenheit isn't even boiling uh, at at, at uh, sea level atmosphere, and um, the fact is boiling is not sufficient for averting botulism. Um, pressure canning is needed because it can let you cook the stuff 240 Fahrenheit, 250 Fahrenheit you know, these temperatures that you actually need to, to, to avoid these problems. And let's just hit, hit on botulism for a second. Botulism is not, you know, just a, a simple food poisoning. It could kill you. 
Yeah, um, my understanding, um, I believe there's a link uh, to a, an article from Harvard, um, it's Harvard Medical School in my, one of my botulism highlights. There's so many at this point, it's chaotic, but I swear it's in one of them. Um, and, it, and it said that most people, um, if untreated, uh, would die from botulism. And I think, you know, in this, this is dangerous period, you know, flat out, but, you know, in the state of the pandemic, I've had, you know, a situation where it's like, should I go to the hospital? You know, it wasn't COVID, it was clearly something different, but it's like, should I go right now when the hospitals are, you know, in this state um, and I'm taking up space like for something that may not be serious. And I think, you know, with botulism, um, I don't know, um, it, it, it could be more dangerous. And at the very least, um, you know, it's straining an already uh, seriously stressed system. So we've established that what was put out by Bon Appetit was dangerous and yeah, it, and they, it they could removed, hurt people. And yes, they removed the video. Yeah, they they yeah. issued, it was kind of like a, like a sliding scale of apologies uh, because yeah. initially the video was not removed, but there was a, an explainer added to it and then pressure from yourself and others kind of mounted and then the video was removed. And I know Brad put something in his Instagram stories, which only lasts for 24 hours, yeah, giving I, his I, mea culpa. And the, the, and then of course the, the, the canning company, Scout Canning, which the, the, the chef who was with Brad, the expert, um, is a part of, you know, they, they kept promoting the video after the fact that it was pointed out that it was dangerous and yes. then did yes. their mea culpa, I guess, you know, but they, they kind of blamed Bon Appetit's editorial process saying that the, the safety parts were cut. And again, this was a video where they said, they said safety is sexy. Like that was part of the video. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I did not do justice to what the situation is. The video started out with this you know, spiel about safety and how if they don't accomplish anything but convey, you know, proper safety methods, then they've succeeded. Um, they had a little thing where they were like, safety is sexy. And, and Brad takes his finger across <laughs> his chest and, and there's like a graphic and everything. It was and very it, you cute, know, a, very cute. It, it, I started out thinking, cool, I agree. Safety is important. Um, but, you know, the statements... Scout Canning blamed the editing, but the statements in that video, I think, stand alone as problematic statements that it would be very hard to misconstrue those statements through editing. At the very least, they were they were doing butter poached lobster in a water bath, and that's you know two for two reasons. There's that's not safe. You like I said, you can't can dairy at home, and you need pressure canning you know, for low acid things like seafood. And so, you know, Scout Canning knew that they did that and they still shared the video. So either, you know, they didn't care that it wasn't oh, safe or they didn't know There's so many questions, so many questions. I mean, it yeah. starts with, with Bon Appetit. You go, okay, like, who are they hiring? Because obviously the editorial process is massively flawed. I mean, look, everybody makes mistakes. I get it. It happens from well, time to time. But But this is like... People are going to Bon Appetit because they look at them as experts. You know, like the I, average person is like, oh, hi, like this is something I can do at home. And the people who are doing editorial, how like they're they're missing massive details. Well, I think it needs to be said that 
this was the case before with Rappaport, and so yes. still the case now with with Don it's, Davis. It's uh, something the, that keeps happening. Those are the editors in, in chief that have, have you know run the magazine. The magazine's editorial side is is run separately from what's happening on on video. Video is is you know as far as I know operated by Condé Nast Entertainment. Yes. Um, which was really, you know, a big part of that controversy over the summer with, with Bon Appetit. Um, you know, because that's where, you know, the pay discrepancies were coming from is Condé Nast Entertainment. Um, and they were kind of leveraging, you know, the fact that these these staff members were working for the editorial side of things and then pulling them into videos, but they didn't have like video contracts. So that's a whole other can of worms. But I don't know that... Um, I think this reflects poorly on the magazine, but I don't know that they had any, you know, the editorial side had any say on this. Um, but, I no but, but you know what, but, 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 but here's where I'm going to say, hold up. The video is editorial. Maybe it's not the same people who work at the magazine, but yeah, when you yeah. are putting out videos under Bon Appetit's brand that are tutorials on how to do something, that is editorial. You are you are a reputable, a supposedly reputable brand saying this is how to do this, and you're saying safety is sexy, except yeah. you don't even seem to know or care what safety is. That's was, an issue. And it look, it could be ignorance, right? Like some people just don't know what they don't know, but that's the problem. Who who is running things there? Who is it who are the people who are producing this where they're producing content that they don't even know what they're talking about? I think it, it was a, a serious failure. And you're right. Um there needs to be, you know, fact checking on these videos. I just wanted to clarify when people say editorial, I, I wanted to make it clear it's not the yes. same. Yeah. Yes. That's all I was saying. I think this is a this is a failure. Um, the fact that I had a post about this and my followers had a, you know, basically comment about this until it got removed speaks to an institutional failure at Bon Appetit. No, totally. And then, you know, the Canon company, I mean, you bring in, okay, look, I, I hosted a TV show for nearly 10 years about food. I don't know every little thing about food. So what did I do? Yeah. I did what Bon Appetit did here. I would bring in experts to talk about things. So they brought in experts, so-called experts at, at this, you know, scout, this company, and the experts got it all wrong. And so I go, well, like, how can you trust their canning? Like, how could you, like, would you ever buy something from this company if this is what they're promoting? I think it's a complicated question, right? I think, are you in danger buying their, their canned foods? I haven't seen any evidence to say that you are. I think, you know, they're not, you know, this isn't being produced in, in Charlotte Langley's house anymore. That's how it used to be. And you can find old interviews where, you know, she's talking about, canning seafood at home and it's good on a shelf for two weeks because she doesn't pressure can it and so you know that was problematic back then but as far as i know now they're outsourcing production to these reputable you know canneries and and all that and i think i've seen no evidence to say that that is not safe with that said this is a really bad look for them and i think there's probably better brands to support right now um they're scapegoating the editor of the video saying that this was edited out you know this yeah but you know what here's that. the th here's the thing look i i've had editors like i understand that world better than most 
somebody yeah. has to sign off on the video. The editor doesn't edit it and just throw it up on the internet. There is somebody in the the hierarchy, some kind of executive producer or somebody who has to approve this content before it goes out into the world. This is not on the BA editor. There were explicit statements made by Scout Canning that were dangerous. And you can, you know, go to my story highlight. It's it's BA slash botulism two, and I highlight all of those. This was not a problem with BA's editor. There was a lot of problems that happened here. I think fact-checking at BA is one of them. I think Scout Canning's apparent incompetence was another major part of it. And I think, to go back to your question, should you support this brand? I think I would go to a brand that isn't scapegoating an editor at Bon Appetit for their incompetence. That's my take. No, I think that's a pretty good one. And you've been interacting with with them, haven't you? You've had some interaction with with these parties involved? Yeah. The um, CEO uh, of Scout Canning uh, sent me a a DM, and my DMs are absolutely crazy. And and yesterday I was just – it's the pandemic. I I was out of my mind yesterday. I I, I couldn't even deal with that stuff. But um, they wanted to talk on the phone, and the fact is I have – I have basically three questions and it all comes down to did Charlotte Langley know this was unsafe or did she think it was safe? And I don't think, you know, regardless of what the answer is, and there are, you know, there's only two possibilities. That's a, that's a dichotomy that it covers the whole gamut of possibilities. Either you thought it was safe or you thought it was unsafe. And I just want to know, did you think it was safe? Or did you think it was unsafe? And I think it's problematic either way. Yes. Because if it was unsafe, she knowingly, if she knew it was unsafe, she knowingly, you know, presented unsafe information. If she thought it was safe, then she doesn't know what the safe information is. And Neither um, is good. Neither is good. Um, I want to know what the answer is for that. Um, and if I'm going to list my demands, which I'm taking this opportunity to do so, um, I want a video from Bon Appetit with Brad Leone speaking to the camera, saying that they fucked up, that they made a mistake, and that the video was unsafe. Because as it stands, what they've done is not sufficient for remedying the damage that they've caused. I mean, this is the thing. We've, we This goes back to this summer, spring, summer, whenever it was. Bon Appetit is really bad at accountability. Like, they are just really, really, really bad at that. It's just not Hunting their strength. Nast. Yes. Nast. Anna Wintour. I mean, you can look at the New Yorker Union situation right now, um, and it's the same bullshit um, where they're not taking the demands of these unionized workers seriously. Um, And you can check out, you know, there's an Instagram account, um, you know, New York, um, New Yorker Employees Union. I don't know what the exact account is. Sorry. It's still early over here in Minnesota. but um, you, you can easily find it by just searching that. And um, yeah, I mean, this is a Connie Nast problem, and I think it's just very typical. And unfortunately, this is hugely dangerous. But it's interesting to me, this whole thing, because, you know, we, we, last time we talked with the squirrel story, you were, you know, I don't think it's fair to say necessarily you, you, you even said you didn't necessarily break the squirrel story, but you did a lot of the heavy lifting on the squirrel story before, you know, other people pointed it out, but then you'd went out and kind of did the work 
of the squirrel well, story. Yeah. And so, and so the squirrel story, you know, uh, you got big kind of in part because of you, this one, you know, lots of people noticed this, this was out in the public. It wasn't like you uncovered something, but you did amplify it. And I think what's amazing about those two things, the, the common thread is that somebody with an Instagram account who is not affiliated with any media outlet, you're not, you're not, you don't consider yourself a journalist, you're, you know, whatever. I think that what, what people now consider a journalist is a changing title, but a, a person who is not affiliated with any kind of media company can just go out there on their own and amplify stories and bring attention to things. Like you can literally do this on your own now, if you are willing to do the work and you're clever enough. Yeah. Um, well, to, to go back to Squirrel, um, to be clear, two employees talked about the mold in their Instagram stories. Like that was out yes, in the world yes. public. Yes, yeah, But so, it wasn't amplified. I mean, you you went yeah. out and found more people and kind of really brought light to it. I mean, it's the point, the, the grander point I'm just trying to make is that there used to be, you know, quote unquote, I guess you could say gatekeepers. And now the world is changing where you could just be a person with an Instagram account and look, you, you started with a modest following of, you know, a couple thousand people. When I think I started following you now you're over 20,000 because you're, you're doing things that that people are interested in. Yeah. Um, I think with this, um, you know, one of my followers DM'd me, uh, the link to the video. It was like the night, the night that it came out. Um, and I just didn't have the time to, to watch it then. Um, and I watched it like first thing I woke up and it was like a, a holy, holy shit moment. And um, I, I think, um, you know, my audience really responded to it. They were, I think, really just mortified at, at you know, the potential harm here. And um, I attribute, you know, the takedown of that video um well, the first, their response and then the takedown, um, I attribute that to uh, the work of my audience. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, it's it, there's a parallel between this and like, I don't want to get too tangential here, but like what we're seeing with like Wall Street bets and GameStop, it's like individuals when they can form a community and have a voice can, can have an impact now. Being Home with Hunker is a podcast where we visit with designers, artists, and creatives in the spaces that express and shape their identities their homes. If you love design and decor, if you're curious about how people live, or if you've been transitioning or transforming your own home, you'll love these honest conversations. Join us weekly at Being Home with Hunker. Visit hunker.com forward slash podcast where you can find, subscribe, and listen to the show. And so I want to stay on this topic, though, of of safety and, and food and shifting now to covid you know the two stories I hit up hit up at the the top of the show that I that I teased. One of them being, look, indoor dining is reopening in a lot of places that it was closed in. New York is going to reopen New York City indoor dining at twenty five percent on Valentine's Day, and so look, I understand there's, you know, businesses are hurting. I've been frustrated from the beginning that more pressure wasn't put on the government to help out restaurants because it's basically like, well, we'll let you risk safety to keep you afloat and we're just going to kind of wash our hands of this. But the really puzzling thing about this particular case is that it doesn't track with other decisions that Cuomo has made about indoor dining at all, at all. So the last time indoor dining 
was opened. I'm sorry, actually, let me rephrase that. So the average per capita case count in New York City was 60 is 64% higher right now than when Cuomo announced his indefinite ban on indoor dining in December. So we are reopening indoor dining here in New York City at a time when the cases are much higher than they were when we closed indoor dining. That doesn't track. <laughs> it just doesn't. Same with hospitalizations. They're 60% higher now than they were than they were when restaurants were closed in December in New York City. So it doesn't make and now let's throw okay so so we're talking about cases way higher now than they were when indoor dining was shut and we have these new strains that are like 50% or whatever more contagious. And it wasn't until just yesterday that Cuomo did an about face and said, well, you know what? Restaurant workers can get vaccinated. They weren't even able to get vaccinated. So he was sending them into the fire saying that they were not essential, that they couldn't get vaccinated. Now he's saying they can, but there isn't even enough vaccines to go around. So the odds of you going out on Valentine's Day to eat, which by the way, is the worst night out to eat any any year anyway. You do you, only amateurs eat out for Valentine's Day. I'm sorry. It's, it's a, a shit show, Valentine's Day at a restaurant. But now if you decide to go out to eat on Valentine's Day, your worker, your, your server, whoever is, is working in that restaurant, they're not going to be vaccinated. Let's let, let's be honest. The, the, the odds are against them being vaccinated and you're putting them at risk and you're putting yourself at risk. But also to the average person, it's probably a little confusing because the government is saying it's OK. They're basically saying it's safe when they're doing that. Yeah, so well, a lot of thoughts on this. I, I know I'm throwing a lot at you there. I got a lot of yeah, built up so frustration here. To come back to Cuomo for a second, Cuomo made a statement on Monday basically saying that uh I don't remember the exact quote, but basically that um, oh, I've got it. it was bullshit to demand that. Oh, you've got it. Well, well, OK, well, this may not be the quote, but this is a quote, my favorite quote. There was a big article in The Times earlier this week about Cuomo's mishandling of things and how right. a lot of health experts are are leaving um, government right now, the highest levels, because Cuomo Oh, didn't take yeah. their advice. And he, he and, he, and he said, he said last week, quote, when I say experts in air quotes, it sounds like I'm saying I re don't really trust the experts. Referring to scientific expertise at all levels of government during the pandemic, quote, because I don't, because I don't. He doesn't trust the experts. Who does that sound like? I mean, he's a smarter man than Trump, but that's a very low bar. And I think, um, you know, the fact is that is a, that's a horrible quote. And uh, that was not the quote I was thinking of, but that might be also my favorite quote. Oh, well, he did have a quote too. Um, and I was trying to find it before we logged on and I couldn't find the exact quote, but it was, uh, he was talking about basically like, oh, you want to vaccinate, you know, restaurant workers? Well, who are you taking off the list? And he started yeah, like, yeah. as if ranking importance of human beings in their lives. Yeah. I mean, the quote, let's see. Yeah, it's not worth uh it also makes for for bad uh, podcasting, uh, Joe, when you're oh, looking yeah, things okay. up in in so silence. He, um, come on, Joe, come on. He he, um, <laughs> he he basically said it was insincere to um to push for restaurant workers to be um, vaccinated, and um, you know he, he like you said he he suggested uh, who would you take off the list, and I think the fact is. If you can't vaccinate restaurant workers, don't open up restaurants for indoor dining. 
I don't think it's that hard. Well, and I mean, let's be honest, 25%. I mean, if so, let's say there was no pandemic and you owned a restaurant and you could only fill your restaurant 25% each day because that's just who came into your restaurant, you'd be out of business. It's not like 25% is going to save restaurants. It's, it's, it's just not. And uh, from the beginning of this, it's, it's, it's made me so mad because look, this is an industry I, I really love. And I, I, I don't want people to be confused when they hear me speaking, like I'm, I'm bashing restaurants. I feel bad for the restaurants right now because they are just left without a true lifeline. I mean, I think about, we, we, look, we can bail out the auto industry. We can bail out banks. We can bail out airlines, but you know, the, the restaurant industry that doesn't have the big powerful lobby and you know, it's low wage workers and you know, let's be honest, it's, it's a lot of, uh, of immigrants and it's, it's not as, as, as sexy to the, the powerful people in government, you know, those people can go fend for themselves. Yeah. I mean, I think they do not have a voice that can shift legislation or, or you know, government action, um, in a way that, you know, landlords seem to be able to here. Um, I don't know. Um, I, I, I think really, you know, the only real fix here is for the, the federal government and the state governments to, to help out these workers and help out these restaurants. I, I just. And, and then my favorite is the lobbyists here in New York. They're, they're not fighting for the right things. They're just fighting to open up the restaurants, which is just putting the restaurant workers in harm's way. It's like the stupidest thing ever. Like fight for the right thing, you know? Like I just, if you're going to have the fight, don't have that fight. Like, you know, I, I just, especially now with, you know, with the, these, these, these newer strains that are more contagious, you know, we don't know how much riskier indoor dining becomes. We just don't. And I, I, I just, and then of course, just the symbolism of, of opening it on Valentine's Day, on that day that is just known as like the big money maker. It feels so shallow. It feels so insincere. It feels like, you know, you know, Cuomo caving to pressure of potential lawsuits. It, and, it, and it just contradicts everything he has said over the last year. And when you're sending those mixed signals to people, people can't figure out what's safe. They just can't, you know? And so I'm not even like, like I think there are people that, that know what they're doing that probably should be making better decisions. I also think there are people that are legitimately confused when people, when, I mean, look, the government's saying indoor dining, 25%, go have at it. That is sending a bad signal to the public. I think um, it's hard to um, it's hard to know what to do when the government is telling you it's okay, which is what they're basically doing. I think by opening up indoor dining at twenty five percent, they are saying it is okay to dine indoors. I I don't see how any other message could come across. Um, but there, but the facts don't back it up. That's the that's the thing. That's what makes it so frustrating. I mean, look, if the numbers came way down, look, we could debate whether that would be a good decision. But you can go, okay, the numbers came way down. They're they're trying to find a happy medium, whatever. But the numbers, while they are granted going down now from a from a very high high peak right after the holidays, they're still very high. They're not low. And look, they say the the biggest. You know, the biggest risk, and I agree with this, the biggest risk is people going to visit with friends, visit with family, indoors, hang out. And that's what we have to worry about now this weekend with the Super Bowl. And I just look, 
I understand it's been a long year. I mean, it's been basically almost a year now. It's, it, I understand the fatigue of all of this. I understand mentally how draining it can be. I understand how important socialization is. I get all of that. But this is not, you know, summertime, outdoors, backyard, you know. This is indoors, tight quarters, lots of people screaming with their their bodily fluids flying out of their mouths as they're screaming at the TV, you know, shared food at a table. I just don't understand. I mean, look, I, anyone listening, if you're thinking about throwing or attending a Super Bowl party, please don't. Like, there's just, there's always next year. I mean, there's just no need. It's too bad that New York um, City, well, a lot of areas could do this. You you get like a big outdoor stadium, you fill it sparsely and televise the game outdoors. Yeah, so if you want to mitigate risks, don't do indoor dining, order takeout, order delivery, tip a lot of money, don't use the delivery apps. Most restaurants now, at least the ones here in New York, if you go straight to their website, they use... Um, software that is not DoorDash or Grubhub that is not quite frankly it's not going to charge you an arm and a leg so you save money and the restaurant they save money as well so uh again takeout delivery don't you don't need to go out to dine you can you can wait wait a little longer it's best for the people who work in the restaurant it's best for you you can still spend that money and again you don't need to have a Super Bowl party I know it's disappointing, but it this is that is the number one way this stuff spreads. It, it it's the number one way, and you got to think not just about you, but about other people as well. And of course, um, don't don't make um any kind of canned seafood um that Bon Appetit <laughs> tells you to make because we don't want botulism either. That's just another thing we don't need in the mix. Joe, thanks so much for joining us again. It's Joe underscore Rosenthal on Instagram. Uh, we're gonna have to. I'm gonna have to have you on another time just to talk about your your sort of rise in the food world because I find it fascinating how, um, on a bigger scale, we kind of touched on it earlier. How an individual now cannot be associated with a a media entity, but but basically do journalistic type work. I find that so fascinating. Joe, thank you so much for making the time. Thank you for having me. Yeah, happy to happy to come on. Hot Takes on a Plate is part of the Believe Podcast Network. Check them out at BLEAV.com. You can check me out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Rob Patron TV. And look, if you if you're not subscribed already, please subscribe to the show. That way you never miss an episode, especially since we don't do these every week now. So you might forget how to sight out of mind. Subscribe. Make sure to also rate the show. Five stars, of course. That helps me, helps everybody. Until next time, I'm Rob Patron. Ciao. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.